Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Good Fight Podcast. My name's Andrew. And I am Simon. It's so good to have each and every one of you here. And if you haven't been living in a cave for the last three months, you'll be more than aware of the chaos going on all around us uh, on behalf of COVID-19. So myself and Andrew, we have been thinking, which is always dangerous. Very worrying. And we have <laughs> and we have a vision over the next few weeks, every single Friday, to share some basic truths on the book of James. You may assume, just by listening to us, that me and Andrew are beside each other recording this because the chemistry is just so reactive. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case. You can actually rest assured that we are abiding by these social distancing laws to the nth degree. So no need to worry. Now, sadly, we won't be able to meet together in the next few weeks and, and possibly even months that lie ahead. Yet we have all this time that we don't want to waste. We want to share these thoughts to encourage each one of us to grow deeper in our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. Now, before we get cracking, it's over to Simon. So we thought it'd be a good way to start um, by sharing a psalm that one of us, maybe, or maybe both of us have enjoyed in the week uh, prior. Um, we've called this the Sammy Sam, and no, that is not uh, Sammy Gardner. Today, <laughs> <laughs> this week's psalm is Psalm 63. Um, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the reading of Psalm 63. O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help. And the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult. All the mouths of liars will be stopped. Thanks, man. I have to say, I really enjoyed that, Sam. Just especially the verse four. And just could imagine if that was all our testimony verse, so to speak. It just says, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. We have definitely made my task a lot more complicated than what it was. That bar set very high for the one I have to choose for next week anyway. <laughs> okay, so after the Sam, we are now going to go into our short study of the book of James. So... Um, without further ado, let's dive into our reintroduction of this small wee book, and it's over to you, Andrew. Thank you very much. Um, now, not to give any spoilers away, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to do one. Now, the book of James was in fact written by a man called James, believe it or not. The two sort of go hand in hand. I know, Whoa. exactly. Too much. I'll let you pick up your jaws, 
and I'll give a little bit more <laughs> of the introduction. So uh, this this guy James, um, we believe he was Jesus' um, younger brother. Now, although he wasn't a follower of the Lord Jesus um, before um, Christ's death, um, which tells about us in John 7, when it actually says that none of his brothers actually believed him, um, James was actually one of the men who witnessed um, the resurrected Lord Jesus. Paul tells us about that in, in 1 Corinthians 15. And from then on, his life was just turned around. And that from then on, he lived a life devoted to the Lord. He also then became a leader um, in the church in Jerusalem. And um, Paul mentions this um, in the book of Galatians in chapter 2. And along with Cephas and John, um, they're called pillars. So we can see that he became quite high up and quite well known in the church. And you could think from that um, point of view, he could have become very full of himself and very prideful. But no verse 10 just attests to this man's character when he encourages Paul to look out for some of the poor that was around him. And hopefully that's a theme we'll be able to visit in future episodes in the Lord's Will. Mm. The book itself was probably written anywhere between sort of AD 45 and 52. So suppose um, in the 15 to like 20 years between Jesus's resurrection, um, when James became a follower of Jesus, and then the writing of the book of James, um, James had quite the experience. He helped lead the believers in the church of Jerusalem in their walk with God. Um, and we can only imagine just even from our own like church experience, the church um, brings a lot of trials and difficulties. Um, it's the most, it's, it's incredible to be within a church. Um, but with all human experience, there's always trials and difficulties. And so James himself, he would have had these um, tensions and persecutions um, that would have refined his character and his mindset. He clearly grew in this time in his faith and wisdom, both of which we can see so clearly within this book. So then going in terms of the structure of James, uh, we know that James has five chapters. And roughly speaking, James 1 includes many wise one-liners. And this kind of harkens back um, both to the book of Proverbs. Which he would have been taught and memorized growing up as a young man. Mm. And then also Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Most likely from hearing Jesus' teachings firsthand. Mm. And these thoughts are expanded upon in the next four chapters. So within these four chapters, um, after the first one, there are 12 clear teachings um, about how to live a life wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus. And from our assessment of the book, it seems that this is the overall theme of the book of James, which is to live our lives in every area and every facet for Jesus. So if we're really getting this, getting the point across, you'll hear us talking about this a lot. Absolutely. So without further ado, uh, let's get stuck into the first chapter of James. If you've got your Bible there, feel free to open it up. Or if you want to give the, the podcast a wee pause and just um, go grab it, that's fine. You can do that. But we're going to go through it here. Or maybe you like listening to our lo lovely Northern Ireland accents. In that mm, case, stay yes. right where you are. And we'll try not to sound too harsh as we come across. Um, <laughs> yeah, again, or myself knows. anyway, to be fair. This is true. <laughs> so James chapter one, we'll read some verses. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Well, only four verses, and it packs a punch. So, Starting from the start, probably the best place to start, what can we learn from verse number one? 
Well, what I really love is the way that James sort of introduces himself to his readers. He calls himself a servant. Now, we can think of many different characteristics, so to speak, or, or characters of um, a servant. We can think of someone who would be devoted, devoted to their master. And we can read um, in the opening part of James that he was devoted to being a servant of God. And that can bring back to the question to ourselves, are we devoted in all areas of our lives to God? Maybe there's something that we're holding back from him, so to speak. Now, there are 12 teachings um, in the book of James to challenge us if we truly are being wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus, because there's no point holding these things back to give our whole lives as Christians to him, to let him do whatever it wants, and to be truly mm. devoted wholeheartedly to the Lord. We can also think of humility as well. Now, no Northern Ireland podcast, so to speak, would be complete without a quote from C.S. Lewis. I think the two just sort of go, go hand to hand. We name drop there, but hopefully, hopefully you'll forgive me for it. <laughs> He says this quote, he says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I'll, I'll say that again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. What a powerful thought. And despite James being a leader and a pillar and quite high up in the church, he came across as humble. Now, so often the opposite of that can be pride and we can let pride in in these circumstances. And we can ask ourselves, are there instances in our own lives when we let the sin of pride come in? Because it can so easily. Mm. But it gives us, in the next book across, in First Peter, it gives us an encouraging verse. It says in First Peter 5, 5, it tells us to clothe ourselves with humility. From head to toe, clothe ourselves with humility, which is definitely an important aspect in all forms of being a servant to God. Now, the both of us have enjoyed um, this book by Warren Wearsby. Um, on called on being a servant of God. In fact, um, Simon enjoyed it so much that he decided to, when I got the book anyway, there seemed to be lots of coffee stains on there and all the rest of it. Yes. Anyway, very hipster of me, spilling coffee all over the book. And one of those fancy <laughs> Belfast coffee shops I'm sure you were at at the time. Correct. That's Correct. one of the trendy things these days. Now, I'm not a big reader. <laughs> Simon's trying to get me more into books and all the rest of it, but I have to say, I would definitely recommend this one. I've, I've truly enjoyed it. In fact, it was one of those ones that you couldn't put down. You're like, I know I need to go to bed, but one more chapter won't hurt will it that was <laughs> so sort of attitude which was rare for me let me tell you mm. but he states in the book he says the more responsibility that we have in a church or in, in our, our family home or whatever the case may be the more we should serve and i think that's just a, such a beautiful perspective on on serving that's cool and james also tells us about who he is serving so if he, as verse one continues james a servant of god and of the lord jesus christ and this shows his motive in service, um, that primarily he was serving God and Jesus. He was serving God completely. Um, and so I suppose to apply this to our own lives more fully, if we are in any position of responsibility, whether this is in the church, whether this is at home, whether this is in the workplace or uni or school, um, we could be making tea, we could be putting chairs away, we could be sharing our thoughts with our church family. God calls us to do this gladly for him first and then others. Absolutely, that's so true. And just the very close of verse one, and it says, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Now, the first question you could come across when you read that is, well, who were these 12 tribes? And it's, a, it's definitely the first question that came across my mind. It sort of refers to the audience that this book would have rotated around and all the different people that it was addressed to. Um, and these would have been Jewish Christians, people who were originally Jews, but then had got converted and become Christians. And we know that could have easily have been um, from Pentecost or from many other various things. 
But it sort of gives us a few hints in the book as, as to that's truly who it's addressed to. In chapter two itself, it has various quotes from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And of course, it mentions good old father Abraham in there as well. So we could definitely <laughs> say that the, the, the book and the people that James is writing to um, were these Jewish Christians. But it also says as well, um, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. So they were scattered from Jerusalem. Now, we can obviously think that maybe one of the reasons um, for this would have been persecution. Um, or things like that. Now, we may have to get our Acts correspondent blessing on for the next conversation just to confirm a few of the things we've said, just to make sure we're on the, the right path. Um, <laughs> I think possibly um, as a result of the persecution, maybe possibly after um, Stephen was murdered um, in, back in the end of chapter 7, possibly could have been one of the reasons for them being scattered at this time. Hmm. So we'll then go into verses 2 to 4. Um, so we'll just even read them again. Um, because it's God's word and it's the best thing about this podcast is that God's word is being read. Mm-hmm. Uh, so verse two, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Well, if you think first one, pack the punch, just wait till we've just read verses two and four. I think we could be here for a few hours, even just trying to get some of the points across on that one. You may sit tight as you listen. (laughs) mm -hmm, Absolutely. No, we won't be that long. Um, So even just in this um, short reading, Simon, what sort of strikes you uh, from this passage? I suppose from the get-go, the two words, all joy, Mm -hmm. counted all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds that when we're facing these trials in our lives, that we should be joyous in them. Like that is so counter what the world is telling us. Um, the world is telling us when bad things happen, you should just be terrible. You should just be looking in on yourself. You should not be joyous. Um, but the Bible tells us something different. And I suppose that begs the question, what's, what is joy? There is a, a beautiful quote by a guy called S.D. Gordon. And he says this, Joy is distinctively a Christian word and a Christian thing. It is the reverse of happiness. Happiness is the result of what happens of an agreeable sort. Joy has its springs deep down inside, and that spring never runs dry, no matter what happens. Only Jesus gives that joy. And so joy, first of all, is independent of circumstance, regardless of what's going on in your life. We can be joyous because our joy doesn't depend on circumstance. It doesn't depend on us either. It depends on Jesus. So that good feeling when everything is going on our way in life, that's not joy. That's actually happiness. And Gordon and this guy, he says joy is the opposite of happiness. It is joy itself is a rest. It's a hope despite the stormy waves and the trials of life. Um, as we as we just said, its source is Christ, um, and it's a fruit of the Spirit working in our lives. It's so powerful. Um, our current situation in the midst of the whole coronavirus thing is, is so appropriate to, to take this into consideration. We're isolated. Our plans are cancelled, so we can't join up with our, our church family like we used to. Yet James tells us, considering all of these trials, to count it joy. It's an amazing thing. So what about you, Andrew? In these verses, what's what's kind of struck you? Well, what I really love 
James' sort of personal touch to it, his personal approach when he says, my mm. brothers or my brothers and sisters in Christ. It just shows that James's character, he genuinely cared for his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that were scattered all over. Now, it mentions this sort of brothers and sisters um, in Christ thing a few times. It says it down. Uh, the verse 16 mentions my beloved brothers and a couple of times in chapter 2 and further. It just shows the genuineness that he had and the, the love that he had for his fellow brothers and sisters in mm. Christ. And even though presently we as a gathering may be scattered and not able to meet together as much as we'd like, we can still be praying and encouraging one another, whether that be with a phone call, a text message, or maybe an encouraging verse or him or a song posted in a chat or something like that we should be there with each other to encourage each one of us to keep going even though we're scattered at present just still be that constant encouragement to each other i really love these sort of little words that intermingled now you've already spoken simon on this all joy but it's interesting this word just after brothers it says when when you meet trials almost as if there's an expectation there they're sort of part and parcel to the Christian life. It shouldn't come as a, a big surprise as we think that, oh, everything's just going to be us, uh, wings and roundabouts, no everything. It's going to be perfect. I'm going to get to heaven. It'll be an easy walk this life. It's just, it, it just isn't the case. And the Bible and scripture quotes so many different verses and how that's not going to be the case. And if we truly know and we believe in God's word, that we know then that they're going to come. And in that time, we should be uh, preparing for them. There's times where we're going to be up in the mountaintop and not just to think, oh, I've, I've got this. This is so easy. And truly, sometimes in those, it can be so easy to fall straight into the valley. And how in those times, we do need to ask ourselves, do we fully trust them in these times to get us through? Do we truly depend on them to help us get this through? And to know that there's a reason for every trial and to, like you said, Simon, count it all joy when going through them, no matter that the joy will be constant, no matter the circumstances around us. Although some people I've heard saying that a trial and a temptation is the same thing. Would you tend to agree with that sort of mindset? You know what? I wouldn't. Um, I, I disagree, actually. I think they're quite different. Um, there are similar things we can learn from them, but they are different. And both of them are actually mentioned in James chapter one. So it's important even for us to get a grasp on these um, these two terms, what the differences are, mm-hmm. and maybe what the similarities of them are. Um, so as we like start on trials, trials as mentioned in the passage we've just read, um, we can understand that trials are actually from God. Um, trials are present in our lives to test our faith, and pr- and trials usually involve an external circumstance or ex- circumstances. Um, and th- that's why it says they can take many, many forms. Um, so th- to think of an example of a trial that most of us will know um, in the Bible will be from Job. So actually, um, Noel included within the um, our chat um, just today, just on Friday today, um, there's a wee bit, a wee bit of a story, a wee bit of a study um, from um, Job. So think about Job. He's a devout man uh, and materially he's been blessed so much by God. And Satan spots this man and he doesn't really like what he sees. So Satan, the great accuser, he comes before God and he challenges God. And he's like, why on earth is, you know, why do you, why do you think Job fears you? And he says this, does Job fear God for no reason? Is he only following you, God, because you've blessed him so greatly? And then Satan asks God to do the following, but stretch out your hands and touch all that he has 
and he will curse you to your face. And God actually allows Satan to do this. So God is in control and he allows Satan to do this, to take Job's family away, his livestock away, his job away, and inflicts so many hardships upon him. Um, he has boils and he has sores and there's a scene where he's just sitting uh, on rubble um, surrounded by his friends in silence and he's just he has a bit of pottery and he's just picking the sores. Um, it's just a miserable sight. But, but what happens know, then? Is we all know actually by the end of Job um, that he's gained so much of a greater understanding of who God is and can truly appreciate that more. And sometimes in the Christian life, we need those trials to really help us grow and develop a greater knowing and understanding of who God is. Absolutely. So from the story, we can learn that God is in control of our trials. He's the originator of it and he has a purpose in it. And generally, he is he is our creator. We believe that he has created us. He knows us more than we know ourselves. And like a, a potter knows its um his pots really, really well. He knows why he has made the specific pots. Um, God knows exactly what is best for us. And so that might be difficult when the potter is um, moving the clay into certain uh, positions. It might be painful, but it is ultimately for our good. Mm-hmm. Trials test our faith and refine our character, very much importantly. Um, so then what is a temptation? So a temptation is slightly different. Um, but first of all, a temptation is not the same as sinning um for so often i don't know about you andrew but i thought about this for ages i thought temptation and sin were the same thing but they're actually not a temptation is not sin but a temptation is a thought to sin slightly different so as trials are external circumstances that god allows um temptations are more internal thoughts and they're thoughts to sin um temptation always presents a choice a choice to satisfy like the desires of our flesh and to sin or to submit to God and to deny ourselves. You know, and temptation has always been about. It's been about since the day dots in the Garden of Eden. And that's we knew that story where um, Adam and Eve were tempted or specifically Eve was tempted um, by the fruit of the knowledge of um, good and evil. And so every Christian um, whoever is listening to this, we will face temptations um, day in, day out. And even within each day, we'll face so many temptations. And we also learn in the rest of James chapter 1 itself um, that God doesn't tempt us. Um, James says in um, chapter 1, verse 13, he tempts no one. God tempts no one. So God doesn't do the tempting. Um so just because we're being tempted every single day and it's difficult, it is difficult. It doesn't mean we should just give into it. The Bible tells us that we should actually flee from temptation. Amen. But when we don't, we shouldn't just flee from temptation, but we should actually flee to God. Mm-hmm. We should rely on God. We should submit to God, as it says in James 4. Um, and this is the advice. And this is what we need to apply to our lives. This is something each and every one of us experience. So kind of as a summary of trials and temptations, there are similarities. So both trials and temptations, they refine us. They can refine us uh, when we choose to submit to God. And that's why I love the psalm that we just we read earlier on, Psalm 63. It says in verse 8, My soul clings to you, but your right hand upholds me. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. 
And sometimes we just, we just, we need to, and all the time we just need to cling to God and choose him instead of to satisfy our flesh, to choose him in the trial as well. But ultimately we know that he upholds us and he is sovereign and that's so comforting uh, for me to know. Um, and finally, I suppose in these verses, um, as we're going through them um, quite quickly, it's so important that trials have a purpose. James says that basically these trials, they test your faith and they make you more steadfast, more steadfast and rooted in God. And they also make you perfect and complete. And I, I, I don't know about you, but this makes me think, what can I be perfect and complete in this life? Is, is, is that what it's saying? It's definitely a very interesting question to raise. Um, obviously, we know that sanctification is a work within us consistently um, throughout our Christian life. Um, and to die and die more to self, to live unto righteousness. Now, that doesn't mean I don't feel we are we can perfect it. I think as we mature as Christians, we should see that growth in that aspect and becoming more Christ-like in all elements of our in all of our life. But I don't think we could ever truly um, on this earth become sort of perfect in that regard. Hmm. I think what it's getting at is the whole wholeheartedly relying on on God. So when we face trials, we more naturally trust in him. The more we do it, the more naturally it will, it will come to us. And when we speak to other people, we'll more naturally be gracious with our speech and not just harsh and not be quick to, angry, quick to anger. When we walk past someone or we hear of someone's need, then we'll more naturally desire to help them because we become more Christ-like. As you say, it's sanctification, becoming more like Christ. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for that. That was really good. The difference between the, the trials and the temptations and the, the completeness that we can try in, in becoming uh, more Christ-like. Uh, in James 1, in the verse 22 of the first chapter, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So often it can be the case we hear a good message or a really nice thought at the breaking of bread or hear something really nice during the midweek or something like that. And maybe we note it down or think, oh, that's a really nice thought. But so often it can be the case where it's in one ear and it's and no sooner it's out the other. And what we want to try and do in this podcast is to encourage the application of God's word. And it, it, it James puts it so well in the verse. It just says, all you're doing is deceiving yourselves. Can you think mm. of the growth that we could truly have and to become more Christ-like and to be living more wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord if we truly apply what it says in his word? Kind of reminds me of a, a story that Paul Washer um, told one time. Um, so he was a missionary in South America um, and he was holding a week-long um, mission in this town. And um, he noticed there was this young man um, he would come in first thing into the hall at maybe seven o'clock um, before the meeting started. And he would sit at the front and he would listen so intently. And as Paul was getting through his first point, he would just be in the edge of his seat. Um, and then Paul would finish that first point. And as soon as he'd said his last word of the first point, this young man would get up and run and leave the hall. And Paul was offended. What, what, what's happening here? Um, is it something I said? Did I offend him? Um, this really intrigued Paul, but this kept happen, happening like night after night after night and Paul resolved to, to chat to this man. And so um, one night before the, the service started, he ran over and, uh, and chatted to this man. He grabbed him by the arm and he said, what's, what's your deal? Why, why have you been leaving um, shorts? There's still 40 more minutes of the, the service left. You're missing so much. Um, and this guy responded, I've just heard some truth that I haven't applied to my life. 
And so I'm just going to hear it and be a doer of it. I'm going to leave and I'm going to apply it to my life. And that's just such a good response. Um, it's such a challenging example that I've just remembered. As soon as we hear truth, we need to try and apply it to our lives. And so often in Northern Ireland, we're so steeped with truth. We know so much, but actually in our lives, we don't apply this. Um, and so I suppose James's um, challenge to us is to, uh, to be doers of the word and not just hearers. Absolutely. So much truth. And if we could even just apply a little bit of that, what difference that truly could make. Um, so to, to summarize up, um, in the midst of the chaos of the coronavirus, when we aren't able to see our, our blood and our spiritual family, when our lives are halted and turned upside down, in all these things, we should count these trials joy, all of them, because God wants to refine us. He wants to make us more reliant on him in this time to grow deeper in our love for him, which of course will help us to love others in better ways than we can imagine. And sometimes it could be challenging these things where we're not having all the meetings all the time. And we can think, well, maybe we rely on the faith of others too much sometimes. Maybe we're coming to these things hungry and starving and not coming fed in God's word and spending time with him. And sometimes in the quietness that we'll have a lot more of now, we can challenge ourselves and think, do we really have a deep personal relationship with the Lord? Hmm. Maybe we once did, but maybe we've gone away from it, or maybe it's not as good as, as, as it should be. And, and things that we can be very challenging to us all the same. But to remember this, to count it all joy, every trial, every difficulty, every test, joy. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Hmm some amazing truth that we've covered if you've made it this far congratulations thank you for spending the first episode with us it has been a delight um we've enjoyed the first episode of the good fight podcast um so we're going to put this onto the um the email list um, but please comment ask questions and share any experiences that you have of actually living out these verses or applying these verses to your to your own life um and episode two um will surely be out this time next week. Um, God bless.